the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. How can a man be right before God? That is the question we answer from Scripture on today's broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Make it a point to join us. So what does it take to be right before God? What do we have to do? How do we have to act? Does it look a certain way? These are questions we're answering on today's broadcast of Truth For Today, the ministry of Valley Bible Church in Hercules. We would invite you to join us in Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. We see the amazing parable that gives us a contrast as to what makes a man right before God. Here's Pastor Phil Howard now with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Two men go to church. One man is thoroughly impressed with himself. And when he talks to God, supposedly, he never does really talk to God. He only talks about himself in the so-called presence of God because he's at a temple. And all he can talk about is the only thing he's impressed about, and that's himself. But he has all the credentials to be the greatest man in the community. He's a religious leader. He's a devout religionist. He's a devout Jew. He's a uh, devout rabbi. He has scholarship behind him. He knows what the rabbis have said for a thousand years. Uh, He's in the category of the Hasidim, the holy separate ones. That's what Pharisee means. uh, But it just happens to be that on the day he goes up to church, one of the most notoriously hated men in the community goes in the temple door with him. They can meet in an outer court. They can't get in the inner court where the uh, high priest can go. But... uh, a tax collector, which was known as a rogue, a cheat, a uh, unprincipled man that worked for the Roman government as a Jew. He collected taxes. The Romans said what the tax levy would be, but tax collectors could make all the money they could squeeze out of the people above what was required. So uh, they would uh, jump the fee, let's say 10%. So the people knew they were taking a cut and riding them hard. They were just public public officials who were known as crooks. And Jesus uh, tells the story in Luke 18. To some, in verse 9, who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Now, that's why he's telling it. 
And the key theme in it is, how can a person be right with God? What can you do? Maybe both kinds are represented in this service today. One has come thoroughly impressed that the way you are, the way you live, has so impressed God that he must let you go to heaven. While others came saying, I cannot even dare talk about myself in his presence, I simply must cast myself upon him for mercy because I don't have a chance to ever be right with God based upon me. So, he says, two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. They prayed at nine in the morning and three in the, in the afternoon. Those were the two times they made daily sacrifices. They go up to pray. It's amazing that the tax collector wanted to go to church too. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. Some say to himself. God inserted is simply God talk. He, God doesn't even need to be there. Because uh, he stands up and he begins to pray about himself. And in the text, it literally says that he stood afar off to himself. And the idea was uh, Jews, the common stance for prayer... And they even do it at the Wailing Wall today, having an attack of allergy here. I hope I don't bother you. Uh, is that they would, uh, a common prayer stance would be this, uh, sometimes like this. But he stands off a little bit, and he begins to pray. And as you'll find in the prayer, he's not only praying loud enough so people can hear, he will take time in the prayer to castigate this tax collector he sees. Imagine you being in the midst of prayer, you look across the row and you see somebody there, and God, I sure thank you I'm not like them. This literally happens. So he says he's praying, so call. I thank you, God, that I am not like other men. Robbers evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. Now, uh, you were only required to fast on the Day of Atonement, the 14th day of Nisan. You only had to do that. But here, this guy fasts twice a week. And then on the tithing, it was no big thing to say tithe. The whole country uh, was expected to tithe. But remember, they're under Roman law. And uh, tithing was in the Old Testament to sustain the temple and the priesthood. They got sloppy. They didn't keep it up. But this guy... Obviously, as Jesus said, the Pharisees did, they not only tithed on what they had gotten, because many a Jewish farmer tithed on it first, then these Pharisees were getting it. And Jesus said, just in their pastime, they'd go through the spice rack and pay tithe off of their cinnamon, pepper, and salt. 
I mean, that's rather impressive. I don't think we've ever had anyone do that yet. Give us a salt offering. Here's 10% of all the salt in my house. Don't. It's bad for us. But this man is that religiously devout. He's impressed with it, and he wants God to be impressed with it. That is one of the major approaches. I think these two men represent the only two approaches men make towards God to get righteousness. The one is to sell God on how good you are. Whether religious activity, I'm not as bad as other people, you'll always find people worse than yourself that will always make you feel good about yourself. And when you're uh, focusing on others, uh, you can justify a lot. I, I don't, have you ever heard this? Well, I'm not like them. Uh, the most common thing we hear when we ask people, do you know God? Well, and what would you tell him if you wanted to go to heaven? I'd tell him I'm a good person. And a common line after that, I'm not like other people. And right here at the place of worship, when a man is supposed to be coming face to face with God, This Pharisee represents the best of human religions, even a God-ordained religion is Judaism, but it fell into this attitude. And he has a man that is only caught up with himself, his own importance, and Jesus tells the story. You see, even he stood away from the man because he was in another category of Pharisees called the Habarim that were in a special high class, 1%. And he stands away, and one of the reasons he stands away from this guy, this man is a defiled person. They were known as Jews of the land. They called them Amharits. And they were the people who didn't keep the law, They didn't keep the hygiene uh, requirements of the law. They may have touched a dead person. Uh, Who knows? Uh, They may have been around Gentiles, which would defile you. And so he doesn't want to get so close to this guy that it defiles him because he's intact. He's whole. He's, He's devout. Dare not, dare not be contaminated by the person sitting by you in the pew who knows what their status is before God. And when he prays, it's focused on himself. He asks God for nothing, for he needs nothing. He has memorized his list of virtues. I thank you that I'm not like the other men. A very common rabbinic prayer, a common rabbinic prayer prayed for many centuries was you prayed every morning, I thank you, God, that you did not make me a woman and you did not make me a Gentile. That was a common Jewish rabbi prayer. And he's basically praying in that same vein. I thank you, you didn't make me this man. I'm not a Gentile. And of course, I'm not a woman. Because what are women good for? Had a very low view, even in Judaism, of women. He prays out loud because he wants to castigate 
the tax collector, and he wants to inform everybody around him, you're in the presence of a holy man. Don't get me dirty. Don't defile me with all the clutter in the outer court. He thanks God for all of his great uh, virtues. And then Jesus goes on to tell there was another category of uh, people that showed up represented in this tax collector. He stands at a distance, but it's for a different reason. He stands at a distance because he doesn't think he has a right to be there. You know what I think is uh, very interesting? Churches are not real safe places for sinners to come if they have a congregation that thinks they're so good. It's why it's hard. You know, how do you get a sleep-around friend of yours to come here or someone that's partying? Come to church. And they're thinking, yeah, to be told I'm going to hell? Come to church to be compared to all you folks that's got it all together? It's the worst thing. It's where I wouldn't mind meeting in a warehouse. I wouldn't mind meeting just anywhere that's not intimidating. Even our architecture. This is fairly plain, I think, don't you? It's nice, but I don't see it's too churchy. Just a building. Churchiest thing we got is three crosses, and it works for us all the time. But you know what the most churchy thing that could be here is you. Would you feel comfortable with sinners sitting next to you in the pew? Well, whether you know it or not, this is going to come as a shock. Everybody sitting next to you is a sinner. They're just in different categories. We got church sins and we got the rowdy sins. I like the rowdy crowd because you know where they are. The church folks scare you. You don't know what they're up to. What a... A bad, bad sinner in town feel this environment to be intimidating. They could always feel the sermon intimidating because it's holding God's righteous standard before them. But may it never be because of who they're praying next to. And he comes to church. Why would he want to go to church? I don't know. He's hated by the people. They were not even giving civil liberties. Only Rome would protect the tax collector, not the Jews. This is the most no, one of the most notorious crooks in town. And he decides, I need to go to temple. And he's there. And notice his attitude. He stands at a distance. You know why? He doesn't feel worthy to be in the presence of God. He doesn't feel worthy to be there. So he, he's tiptoeing in. He's standing afar. He knows most of those that will be there hate him. His problem is, does God hate me? Does God hate me? Do I dare come? He did come. And um, you notice in the text, he does something. He says, he stood at a distance. He doesn't want to defile the holy men there. And he would not even look up to heaven. (laughs) He would not presume that he could ever have a face-to-face relationship with God. He comes in a 
a shameful mode. I, who knows? Maybe his wife just left him. Maybe he just lost his job. You never know why people come all of a sudden. And, uh, but imagine if some, I've seen some people almost that bad, but just imagine a man. I've seen women more than men, but a man come in and would never lift his head up during the meeting. And this man has to be a pretty bold guy to collect taxes and to give up any popularity to get money. He's got to be a pretty bold. But now at temple, he, he can't even look up because the eternal is up. His God is a transcendent God. His God is a holy God. The God of Israel, he knows, created the heavens and had a throne in the heavens. And he looks down on us. I dare not look in his face. I dare not look up. For I wonder if I even have a right to be here. So he comes in with a tuck head. And he does something that if you ever study the background of this is an alarming. He beat his breast. Only women beat their breast. And they beat their breast in times of mourning and anguish and incredible anger. If you killed one of their children, if you killed their husband, if it was at a funeral, women would wail and women would beat their breasts, but not the men. This was highly unmanly. There's only one other place in Luke that they beat their breast. And uh, let me read it to you. When all the people who had gathered at Golgotha to witness this sight of God being crucified, after they saw what took place, they beat their breast and went away. Something as bad as Calvary alone could get the men to beat their breast. A Golgotha slaughterhouse scene of men wrenching and thirsting and begging for relief as the thieves were there. And as they looked on the Son of God, as they left, when he finally said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit, it says they left the place and everybody that left began to beat their breasts, even the men. So it was a expression, if it happened to a man, of intense anguish, intense uh, emotional turmoil going on. Not anger in this case. He's in anguish about his soul. He's in anguish that a man as bad as him should even be afforded to dare even address God. He has no litany of virtues. He's only got vices. We don't know. He might have been a good tax collector. The publican castigates him, but we don't know. He might have been a good man other than his vocation. Who knows? Jesus never brings it up. But he beats his breast. And the rabbinic literature all the way back on Ecclesiastes 7, the Midrash, all the Jewish commentaries said, one reason men beat their breasts is they knew their heart was the author of all their evil. And they would beat their breasts 
to say, my problem's here. My problem's here. I am what I am because of what's going on in my heart. My heart is dark, is void, is wicked. For out of the heart comes the deeds of the body. A man's not dirty by what he eats. He's dirty by what he does. And the cesspool of your life is your heart. It's a wicked, dirty thing in the sight of God until he does a divine work on it. Out of the heart come adulteries, murders. Out of it comes thieving. All that's wicked out of my heart. If there were no devil, my heart is a devil. I don't need the devil to sin. I have plenty of equipment from birth to sin. When the devil is locked up for a thousand years during the reign of Christ, men will still sin and they will rebel at the end of that thousand years and lead another rebellion called Gog and Magog against Christ. Revelation 21. You see, even a thousand years with no devil around, men remain wicked. Our problem is our heart. And this man identifies it. My problem is my heart. I'm in the right location, but I've got a wrong heart. I'm in a desperate fix. Some of you are in the right place this morning, but where's your heart? Is your heart in the right place? Who are you lusting after? Who have you been cheating? How have you been talking? Have you been cussing your kids this week? How have you been living? Are you an angry parent? Are you an unfaithful mate? How many of you have been on pornography? How many of you have been doing this filthy thought, filthy deed, wrong attitude, wrong behavior, on and on and on? The cesspool's deeper and stinks more than I want to bring up on a Sunday morning. It's a wretched pool. He beats his breast. I'm aware my problem is me. It's not the rabbi. It's not who offers us. My problem I brought with me. It's me. We used to sing the old black spiritual. It's me. It's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my mother or my brother or my sister. Lord, it's me standing in the need of prayer. I can't blame anybody for what I've done. Oh, my folks weren't good. I didn't marry the right person. On and on and on. But oh, the biggest criminal you live with is you. Some of us have done terribly bad with great assets. We had great parents. And you still do a whole lot of sinning with great parents. I'm so tired of hearing parents trashed. But I am also so tired of kids being abandoned. Where does that come from? The heart. America. Oh, if America had one week where we repented of our national sins, would it not be something? It put over 200 million people on our face crying out like Nineveh. Oh, God, restore morality, cleanness, wholesomeness, marriage, uh, law and order, safety. Oh, restore America. And it have to start in our heart. 
You can't get it legislated in Washington, believe me. It has to start in the heart. So this man, he, he knows, I'm beating my chest. And I have rabbi statements here. But the greatest rabbi, out of the abundance of the heart, comes all that comes out of the mouth and the deeds. Listen to his cry. He only cries for one thing. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And with that, we come to the end of our time together here on Truth For Today with our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. As we close out our program today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the broadcast has encouraged you, has ministered to your walk and relationship with Christ. Now, there are a couple of ways that you can contact us. By phone, obviously the easiest, 855-833-9864. Again, simply call 855-833-9864. You can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. 94547 is the zip code. Now, the easiest way to get in touch with us would be through our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Now, as you stop by, you'll be able to drop us an email, but then take advantage of the many resource materials we have available, again, there at truthfortodayradio.org. Or, again, simply call 855-833-9864. Would you also bear in mind this radio broadcast is available through listener support. As you link arms with us financially, we are able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. So please consider that as you contact us. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.